would stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 27 of the book of Genesis. While you find it, I just want to say thank you to all of you who were part of our mega kids camp outreach. Thank you to our VBS directors, Sister Stephanie, Sister Christina, and Brother Jake for his preaching of the Word. And all of you who made yourselves available you are and were the hands and feet of Christ to our city. And we thank God that he loves Beville and he's got a great and glorious plan for our city. Genesis chapter 27, first book in your Bible there. And we begin speaking a couple weeks ago about faith and the faith of the patriarchs. And today we're going to look at the life of Jacob and Esau, primarily focusing on Jacob, this part on Esau this morning, as it relates to God's blessing in the life of every believer. And I want to begin in chapter 27 and verse 34. It says, When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry, and said to his father, Bless me even so, O my father. And he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Then he said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has supplanted you these two times. And he took away my birthright, and behold now, he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? But Isaac replied to Esau, Behold, I have made him your master, and all his relatives... And I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now as for you then, what can I do for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me even so, O my father. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for the word of God, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to preach the word of the living God. I pray for the anointing of the Spirit upon the hearing of this congregation, that they might hear the word and receive it with gladness of heart. We ask that in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I want to share with you briefly the story of Esau and Jacob, and then relate it to our life this morning. Because I believe that each one of us will be, uh, from time to time, faced with the same opportunities and the same challenges that face these two men. In the book of Genesis, we see that God has chosen a family through whom he's going to bring salvation into the world. The Messiah, Jesus, as we know him, is going to come through the Jewish bloodline, the Jewish family. And God has chosen a man named Abraham and his descendants to bear this uh, promised blessing to the world. So we see the faith of Abraham and we see the faith of Isaac as well. And the scripture tells us that uh, Isaac by faith blessed his sons concerning things that had not yet occurred. In fact, he prophesied over the lives of his two sons, Esau and Jacob. And so Esau and Jacob were the heirs. They were the Ones who were born into this lineage, this great legacy of faith. They were the heirs of God's promise 
just as you and I are this morning. In fact, Esau was the the firstborn son, and according to ancient Jewish custom, the firstborn son received a double portion. He'd received twice as much inheritance as the rest of his brothers. And so we begin to realize that Esau has upon his shoulders a great blessing, a great and a tremendous honor to be the firstborn. Jacob, of course, will take what is left as a result. But in the growing up of these two boys, things start to appear in their character. On the one hand, we see that Esau is a hard worker. and He is a, a man who is disciplined and committed to the success of his family and so on. And he, he reveals to us a certain part of man's nature that is uh, desiring to please God through works and self-righteous effort. On the other hand, we find Jacob, who's a better picture, really, of the saint. But Jacob, in the beginning of his life, is a total picture of a sinner. He is a deceitful man, a trickster, whom I have brought to your attention in times past. Jacob was a man who wanted to get ahead, but often used tricks and and different uh, approaches that were unethical in order to arrive at that end. The difference between these two men is simple. Esau... Although he was the firstborn, did not recognize or appreciate the value of the blessing that was on his life. And Jacob, on the other hand, although he was a a wicked man in a lot of ways and a sinner, he appreciated and he understood the blessing and the value of the blessing of God upon a life. And I just want to point out to you this morning that sometimes a man can be good and not appreciate God. And sometimes a man is as wicked as a sinner can be and have the fear of God. It's a little irony that we find in life. But you see, goodness doesn't save a man. It's faith that saves. And that was the difference between Esau and Jacob, that although Esau in his, in his actions was a good man in his heart, he was a faithless man. The Bible calls him an ungodly man. And although Jacob in his actions was a sinner in his heart, he had a reverence toward God. And I just want to tell you this morning that God, the Bible says literally in the book of Romans, the Lord said, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. What does that mean, preacher? It means that God hates self-righteousness. He hates the pride that rises up in a man's heart to think, I can do this on my own. Uh, Esau was a picture of that effort on behalf of man to save himself. That self-righteousness, that pride that comes before God and says, I've got this, I've got it figured out, I'll bless myself. Esau, on the other hand, Jacob, on the other hand, the scripture said God loved him. Why? Because God loves humility. He loves that man, that woman that will come in a contrite heart before him and say, God, if you don't bless me, I won't be blessed. Who says, God, I need your hand on my life. I need your hand on my marriage. I need your hand on my family. Are there any, is there anybody in here with that kind of faith this morning? The kind that says, God, if you don't do it, it won't be done. I've got to have your blessing on my life. So one, one day as these young men had grown up a bit, the Bible said that Jacob was at home. He was a mama's boy. And this is uh, just a fact of the Bible. He, was, he, he stuck close to his mom's apron. And he was cooking that day. And the scripture said that 
while he was at home cooking, Esau was out hunting. And he came home late and he was, he was hungry and he was tired. And he came into the house and he saw that uh, Jacob had prepared this wonderful meal. And he said to Jacob, give me some food, bro. I'm dying over here. And have you ever come home hungry? Come on, are there any hard workers in here? You come home hungry? Yeah, you, 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 uh, you hope you have a wife at home who's made a dashing meal or at least brought something from McDonald's, right? Uh, but whatever the case is, uh, if you come home hungry, you're hoping there's something at, at the house. And Jacob comes in hungry. Uh, pardon, Esau comes in hungry and he says to Jacob, give me some food, bro. And Jacob was cunning. He's a trickster, remember. Now, I imagine that in their growing up years, Jacob had figured out that Esau was the firstborn, but he didn't act like a firstborn. And so at this moment, Jacob sees an opportunity to take advantage of his brother. His brother says, give me some food. I'm hungry. I'm dying. I'm starving. And he says, well, I'll give you a plate of food. I'll give you a bowl of this pottage that I've made if you sell me your birthright. Give me your status as the firstborn. And the Bible said that Esau said these words. He said, I'm about to die. What is the birthright to me? What good is God's blessing on my life? And you know, right there in that moment, it wouldn't seem like nothing changed. In the, in the order of things, Jacob was still Jacob and Esau was still Esau. But as far as God was concerned, Esau had despised the blessing of God. And I want to just tell you, friend, there are three things we see in that picture real quickly that can rob you of the blessing of God. Are you listening with this morning? The first thing we see is that what robbed Esau of his blessing was that he had an uncontrollable appetite. Uh-oh. Where's Pastor headed this morning? Do you know that an uncontrolled appetite has been the defeat of many people and has robbed many people of their blessing? I don't know if you know this or not, but you have the blessing of God on your life by virtue of being a child of God and being a man and woman of God saved by grace. The blessing of God is over your life. But friend, there is something that can rob you of the blessing of God in your life, and that is an uncontrolled appetite. What are Esau's words? He says, I am starving. You know, there are many people who have sacrificed family and marriage and friends in order to satisfy the cravings of their flesh. Are you listening, church? Because I'm telling you the strategy of the devil. I'm exposing satanic darkness this morning when I tell you that the devil will rob you by offering you the things that your flesh craves for. Be very careful with the cravings of the flesh. Now, I'm not just talking about food and french fries this morning. I'm talking about all the many ways that people are attracted and drawn by the cravings of their flesh. Some people go toward food. Some people go toward sex. Some people go toward pleasure. Some go toward the vice of gambling. Some go toward alcoholism or addiction. Some go to the pleasures of their friends. On and on, we see the drive, the constant nature of man's heart to satisfy its cravings in this world and it will always rob you of blessing you know I heard the other day just a, a week ago about a little baby who was born a heroin addict 
And I, I just think to myself, what cruelty. What, what a, 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 a darkness has filled a, a family when a, a mother is, uh, is uh, pregnant and still cannot get away from this vice, from this habit, from this addiction that is destroying not only her own life, but also the life of her child. And I think what wickedness of the enemy to bring such reproach and such bondage to the hearts of people. And friend, he doesn't have to go far. He'll just put before man what man craves. The devil doesn't bother with tempting you with things that you don't get tempted by. If you are attracted to a certain thing, he's going to put that lure in your life in order to rob you of the blessing of God. I want you to say this with more, this morning, you won't rob me of my blessing. When your appetite and your cravings start desiring those things that are not pleasing to God, you need to get up and say, you won't rob me of my blessing. God has more for me than this. Now notice the second thing that, that Esau says. He says, I'm tired. And how many times has weariness robbed the believer of their blessing? You know, I hear Christians say that a lot. I'm tired. And they want to give up and they want to quit. And I've been there myself, friend. I know what it is to be tired. I know what it is to be spiritually exhausted at your wit's end. When you say, I don't even know if I can pray anymore. I don't even know if I could get to church anymore. I don't know if I could give anymore. I don't know if I can tithe anymore. I'm tired. I'm not seeing the results. I'm not seeing the things I'm praying for. I'm not seeing the answer to my prayer. Well, let me ask you, what's the alternative, friend? If, if, that's, what, if that's what's going on in your life, What's the alternative when you give up? For that man, that woman that says, I'm tired, I'm just going to give up. And they find themselves further and further from the house of God. And further and further from the presence of God. And further and further from the blessing of God. You see, the enemy will try to rob you of your blessing by convincing you that you're too tired to go forward. That you're too tired to get up and go. But I told you last week, faith walks, friend. Faith has a walk to it. There is a determination in the heart of faith that says, if it's just one more step, I'm going to take it and one more step after that I may not get there running but I will get there I may not get there in a day but I will get there I will see God do his what he has promised in my life come on somebody you gotta say I'm not gonna let you rob me of my blessing when the sheets feel real warm and cozy on Sunday morning and it's raining out you feel like I might as well just stay in I'll watch it on Facebook you gotta get up and say hey you're not gonna rob me of my blessing I've gotta get to the house of God I've gotta hear the word of God I've gotta have this thing in my life and then he this is my favorite one this morning because I'm gonna pick on you a little bit but he uses this third expression he says I'm dying you know what he, he had? Esau had an exaggerating spirit. Oh, I'm going to pick on you now. Because I've met some Christians that have an exaggerating spirit. They turn a, a molehill into a mountain. They turn a little problem into a big deal. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to, to the, the, the part of man that likes to make things a big deal. That the devil will take a small thing and expose it as something large. 
He wants you to think you can't overcome this. It's too big. And hasn't it occurred over and over in our lives that the thing we thought was so big, as soon as God got involved, turned out to be so small, we were laughing about it later. Come on, somebody. I said, our God is a big God. But every, listen, every shadow seems bigger than the object. Every shadow is greater than the object that it represents. And so you've got to be careful with shadows. Instead of looking at shadows and being afraid, you've got to realize that there is a light that exposes every shadow. That there is a light that can give perspective to your darkness and that you can say, you know what, I don't have to make this thing bigger than it is. I'm not going to exaggerate this problem. You know, when the Israelites got to the edge of the promised land, the, the, 12, tri the 12 spies went in, 10 of them came back and they said, there are giants in that land and we are grasshoppers in their sight they were exaggerating the problem and I just wanted to come and rebuke the exaggerating spirit in the church and I want you to say to the next time you look at that problem that's growling at you that problem that looks menacing that thing that looks like it's invincible I want you to just look at it and say get out of my way in Jesus name the God who is with me is greater than anything that you can bring against me come on somebody if God before you then who can be against you and now here's the thing I want you to know Jesus is the answer for every one of these problems. If your appetite and your cravings are destroying your life and robbing you of your blessing, I know a man who satisfies the appetite of man's heart. His name is Jesus. I said his name is Jesus. He can satisfy the craving of the heart. And if you are that person who is, who is dealing with that, the trouble and the pain of having to go through wondering about whether I can make it, I'm exhausted, my faith is tired. I'm telling you about a man named Jesus who said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the answer. Esau gave up his birthright because he could not submit the needs of his own heart and life to God. Some time has now passed. Isaac has gotten old, not this Isaac, but the patriarch Isaac has gotten old. The Bible said that his eyes grew dim, and he wasn't able to move around very much. And this tells us something about Isaac. In fact, uh, what we experience next, what we see next, tells us a lot about Isaac. When, when we hear about blindness in the Bible, it's a lack of discernment. And we see the old saint has, has lost discernment. He's no longer able to discern. He's no longer able to see things clearly. But he's about to die, and he calls for his son uh, Esau. He says, Esau, boy, you're the, you're the firstborn. You're my you're my." Uh, blessed son, and I'm going to bless you today. I want you to go hunting, and I want you to uh, prepare a meal for me. And when you've brought that meal to me, I'm going to bless you. Now, the blessing uh, in that day and in this day was so significant that whatever was spoken by the father was going to become the reality in that child's life. And, friend, that hasn't changed. What you speak over your children, they will become. 
So if you call your, head a, your kid a melon head who can't do anything right, who's never going to amount to anything, don't be surprised when that melon head, melon head doesn't amount to anything, stays in the house, lives in your basement till he's 44, and doesn't accomplish anything in his life. Why? Because you spoke that over his life. But if you speak into that life, you are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You go above and not beneath. You're going to be a pro- you're going to prosper. God's going to use you. Guess what? He's going to rise up and he's going to do the thing you've spoken into his life. Say amen, somebody. Now that wasn't part of the sermon. Now it's just a little extra. Isaac says, "Go and prepare a meal, and I'm going to bless you." So Esau goes out hunting, and while he's doing that, Rebecca who had a mama's boy named Jacob, she says to Jacob, Jacob, come here, come here. She says, look, your dad is about to give away the birthright. It belongs to you. So I want you to go and disguise yourself like Esau. And I'm going to make your dad's favorite dish, and you're going to go and present it to him, and you're going to say that you're Esau, and your daddy's going to bless you because he can't see too well, and he's going to bless you and give you the birthright. And so this is exactly what happens. Uh, Jacob disguises himself. He comes into his father's presence. He says, Dad, here's the meal. And, and Jacob, because he lacks discernment, he can't see. He cannot, he's not fully appreciating the situation. He is saying, uh, he says to Jacob, you know, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And he blesses him. And he blessed him so well. That the Bible said he couldn't take it back. It was an irrevocable blessing. Now I just have to stop right there and explain to you a little bit about this. Because the Bible said that the blessing was not given to Abraham's seeds. That's many sons. But it was given to Abraham's seed. That's one son. That means that the blessing of Abraham was really upon the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And now Jacob had been given this blessing which meant that out of his family line would come Jesus Christ. And so this was an incredible thing that had just happened. But I want you to understand something this morning. God, because you're in Christ, has given you an irrevocable blessing. The irrevocable blessing of God is on your life. You ought to celebrate that this morning. I said the irrevocable blessing of God is on your life. So Jacob now has the blessing. And he goes off out of the scene. And Esau comes in. He's just made some barbecue. He's been working hard all day. He brings it to his father and he says, Dad, I'm home. Bless me now. And Isaac realizes what he's done. He says, Son, what has happened? I already blessed you. He said, No, you haven't. He said, Well, I blessed somebody. And Jacob says, your, your brother has come in and deceived me. And he has robbed you of your blessing. He's taken your blessing. And now this is the first time that we realize that Esau finally appreciates the blessing that belonged to him. But now it was too late. The Bible said that he wept bitterly. He wept in bitter tears. And I've come this morning to warn you, friend, that there are bitter tears in the future of those who despise the blessing of God that can be found in Jesus Christ. There is no other way around it, friend. If you want to avoid the bitter tears of regret, you must do things God's way. You must honor God. You must give Him His place in your life. 
He wept bitterly because he understood that he had lost the most valuable thing that had ever been made available to him. And friends, these bitter tears of Esau remind us of that man or that woman who has despised the day of salvation, who has despised the day of grace, who has said, you know what, God, I'll do this on my own. And they have found themselves in that regrettable situation where there is no more remedy for their soul. Friend, I'll give you this warning this morning. If you are without Christ, come to Him in obedience today because you may not have a chance to do so tomorrow. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Say yes to Jesus today. Say yes today while the Spirit calls to you lest you be like Esau and weep bitterly. Because he had lost that blessing. The Bible said in the book of Hebrews that he wept with bitter tears seeking repentance and couldn't find it. It doesn't mean that he wasn't able to repent of his sin. But it means that he was not able to undo the thing that he had done. He was not unable to, to undo the, the cost that had come into his life because of rejecting the blessing of God. And not properly appreciating what it was for him. Now we see him do a second thing. Not only did he sell out his blessing, but now he settles for something less than what belongs to him. The Bible said that he tells his father, bless me anyway. In other words, he says to Isaac, just give me whatever is left. And I've come this morning to tell you, first of all, don't sell out your blessing. Don't give up the blessing of God because of the desires of the carnal nature. But also this morning, don't settle for less than what God has promised you in Jesus Christ. You see, there are many times that we use words like this. I hope none of you do, but some of, some of you might have. You use words like this. Well, this is who I am. This is how I'm always going to be. Come on, if you're a Christian and you're saying that, you are settling for less than your birthright as a believer. I need somebody to say amen in the house of God this morning. For a Christian to say, this is just who I am, that is a lie from the pit of hell, friend. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. I said, you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Someone says, well, I've always had a bad temper. My grandpa had a bad temper. My daddy had a bad temper. That's just who I am. I curse that lie in the name of Jesus. Jesus converts the heart of man. I said, Jesus can turn your heart around. He can change you. You don't have to settle for less than all that Christ died on the cross to give you. Some people say, well, I'm an addict. I'll always be an addict. I'll just be an addict that loves Jesus. Some say, well, I, I, I'm a homosexual. I'm living in sexual immorality. That's just how it is. And I'll just be one that loves Jesus. Friend, there is more to God than that. There is freedom in Jesus, and you can have it by faith. Come on, somebody. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about something that was written in yesterday's newspaper. I'm talking about the eternal word of God. Jesus can change your heart. He can change your life. Some people say, well, I'll, I'm sick. I'll always be sick. Not, don't, you, don't you let those words come out of your mouth. Well, I'm sick. I'll always be sick. The Bible said that we 
have healing through the stripes of Jesus. The Bible said that he sent his word and he healed them. Come on, you wake up every morning and you say, I am whole. I am healed. I have the, I have the healing power of Christ in my life. Come on, somebody, I'm talking about faith that knows how to act on what God has promised. Some people say, I'm broke. I'll always be broke. No one in my family's ever made it. We've always lived in the projects. We're always going to live like this. Some people say, well, because of where you grew up, because of the race you are, because of the family background, because of the side of the tracks you were born on, that's who you are, that's who you're always going to be. I've come to tell you that if you're a child of God, it doesn't matter where you were born. If you are born again, you have the blessing of God on your life. So if you're in the pit this morning, I want you to look up and say, I'm getting out of here. I'm not staying down. God has more for me than this. Come on, somebody. If you're living in the projects today, I want you to say, next year I'm going to be living in a better place. God is going to provide for my life. Come on. You're not hearing me this morning because some of you have just settled. You just settled. I've got my little check. i got my little provisions. Don't mess with me. Oh, pastor, where are you going? I'm telling you, we're going forward. I said we're going forward. I refuse to have less this year than I had last year. I refuse to go backward. If he said I'm blessed, then I'm blessed. Is there any faith in the house of God this morning? You don't have to stay there. Some of you know how to work the system so well. You've forgot that there is another system. I said there's a better system. There is a system that doesn't operate on any of the conditions or circumstances of man. There is a system that operates on the blessing of the kingdom of God. You and I are a part of that system. We need to work by faith in that system of God's provision. Some people say I'm I'm single. I'll always be single. There's some faith in the house now. took me seven points to get an amen. (laughs) I'm a widow. I'll always be that. Come on, somebody. You've got to wake up this morning and decide that I do not want to settle for the second or the third blessing. I want to settle for the For the blessing of the firstborn because I am in Christ and in Christ I have the status of a firstborn. Don't settle for less than God has made you. Don't settle for less than Jesus died for. Don't settle for less than your birthright as a believer. You need to say this instead. I am what God says that I am. I can have what God says I can have. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the head and not the tail. I go above and not beneath. I'm blessing the city and I'm blessing the field. I'm blessed going out and I'm blessed coming in. I'm just blessed all the way around. Come on, somebody, because we are children of God. We have this birthright in Christ. Now, Esau becomes an example to us. Because his story, although I don't want you to repeat it, I don't want you to be Esau. His story is an example to us. 
And these words I've read are a prayer so powerful. He's crying, he's weeping, he's understood that he has blown it. And unlike Esau, friend, you have an opportunity to get it right today. I thought I could get an amen. I said, you have an opportunity to get it right today. He says these words to his father. He says, do you only have one blessing? He says, oh, my father, do you only have one blessing? You see, at that moment, Esau was praying to Isaac, and Isaac didn't have a whole lot to give him. Isaac was just a man, but you and I, we're not praying to Isaac this morning. Did you hear me? I said, we're not praying to Isaac this morning. Don't pray to me, church. Don't pray to Isaac. You go and you pray to Yahweh because Yahweh has more than one blessing. I said Yahweh can do more than one thing in your life. God can bless you once and bless you again tomorrow. God is not limited by your circumstances. So you need to go in prayer with that, with that question, Lord, except turn it around. And instead of saying, Lord, do you only have one blessing? You go in and you say, Lord, I know you have more than one blessing. I know that you are able to meet my need today as you did yesterday. Listen, he blessed Adam with a wife. He blessed the widow Ruth with a husband. Does he only have one blessing? He blessed Leah with four sons, and then he blessed Rachel with sons too. Does he only have one blessing? He delivered the Hebrews out of Egypt, and then he delivered Israel out of Babylon. Does he only have one blessing? He filled Peter's boat once with fish, and then he filled it again a second time. Does he only have one blessing? He fed 4,000 in one time, and then he fed 5,000. Does he only have one blessing? Oh, come on, church. I'm talking about a God who can do it again. He can do it again. He healed a woman with the issue of blood, and then he raised her, the Jairus' dead daughter. Does he only have one blessing? Does he only have one miracle? No, our God has a man of blessing. He has a grace so full that it can never be exhausted. More than 80 years ago, he raised up a little church in Berkeley. And then he moved them to Beville. And then he gave them a new church on Alta Vista. And then he brought them to Jose Ramos Lane. But I have to ask you, when you look around and you see all that God has given us, does he only have one blessing? Is this all he has for us, Kingsway? Come on, somebody, I'm talking about God is on the move. Does he only have one blessing? No. Ask your neighbor that question right now. Come on, ask your neighbor. Does he only have one blessing? When your wife comes in and says, I don't know how we're going to pay these bills this month. You have to ask, does he only have one blessing? Could God cover July and not cover August? Could he cover August and not cover September? Did he cover 2016 and not be able to cover 2017? Come on, somebody. If he did it once, he can do it again. God is able. I said God is able. The Bible tells us about a woman who had a demon-possessed daughter. She came to Jesus one day while he was teaching, and she started to cry out to him and say, Lord, 
Heal my daughter. She's gravely possessed by the devil. Jesus ignored her. Lord, have mercy. Heal my daughter. She's gravely possessed by the devil. He ignored her. At that point, the 21st century church, half of them would have walked out. I'm tired. I prayed twice. I'm tired. She kept crying out. And finally the disciples said, Lord, you got to do something about this lady. She's disrupting the service. Jesus spoke to her, but he didn't say to her anything that you would want to hear from him. He said, woman, shall I give the bread that belongs to the children to the dogs? Now, the other half of the congregation would have walked out at that point. You see, the Jews used a term for the Gentiles called dogs. And Jesus was saying to her, should I give the Jewish blessing to the Gentiles? Should I give what God promised to Abraham to children who have no father? But this woman had a hunch. That God had more than one blessing. She said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She was saying, Lord, if all you gave me was a crumb, that would be enough to meet my need. Because your, your blessing is enough for, for where I am. And, and she was so full of faith, so full of this conviction that she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Jesus said, I haven't seen all this kind of faith in all of Israel. But you see, church, Jesus didn't come to give you crumbs. Her faith was expressing the fact that if all she got was a crumb, that that would be enough. What she didn't realize was that Jesus came not to give you the crumbs, but he came to give you the whole loaf of bread. He came to give you the whole house. He came to give you himself. He came to give you the provision of salvation and of redemption through his blood. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about the full and perfect inventory of God's blessing on your life. Does he only have one blessing? Absolutely not. And what God is able to do in your life and what God will do in your life, he'll do not because of the fact that you went out and you worked for it and you earned it like Esau, but he'll do it because you appreciated it and understood it by faith and said this thing is more important to me than anything else in life. I don't care if I don't have a bigger house or bigger car. I've got to have Jesus. I've got to have peace. I've got to have joy. I've got to have that thing that counts. Come on, church. Don't settle. Don't settle for the temporal things. God can give you all the financial and material blessings that you want. But what you, what's really important and what many people sell out on is they settle for the temporal and they never get the eternal. And what good is it to have all of the things you want in this life and not have the salvation of your soul and the blessing of God in your spirit? There's nothing worth more than that. Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Esau exchanged his birthright for a bowl of pottage. 
And some have exchanged salvation. They've exchanged the gift and offer of grace. They said, no, Lord, I don't want that. I don't need that. I'm okay on my own. I can save myself. I can deliver myself. Friend, you can't deliver yourself. You can't change your heart. Only Jesus can do that. And I pray today that faith will rise up in your heart to appreciate and understand what it is to be a child of God. And if you're not a child of God, I pray that faith will rise in your heart to say, I want to be a child of God. I want to have the blessing of God on my life. I want my soul to be marked by that unmistakable mark of God's blessing and God's peace. Would you bow your head right where you are? Father, I pray right now that like Jacob, we would humble our hearts and recognize that the gift of God is more precious than anything in this life. I pray if there is a weary saint, tired, doesn't know how they're going to make another day, I pray right now that rest would come. I pray if there is someone who's being driven by the cravings of their carnal nature, I pray right now that they would find satisfaction and peace in Christ. I pray if there's someone who is under a fearful spirit that has exaggerated the possibilities of their destruction, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the light would come. That no one would rob this house of its blessing. But that all that God has promised to us would be ours by faith. We receive that now in Jesus' name. We receive that now in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet? If you receive that, I just want you to lift your hands right where you are. And just receive it. All that God has promised you. Just receive it. Stir up your faith. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't know what's challenging your faith this morning. But I know that there's victory. There's victory. Now as the church prays, I want to ask you, friend, if you say, Pastor Isaac... I haven't given my life to Christ. I don't know Jesus as my Savior. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want the blessing of God to rest on my life. If that's you, would you just come out of your row right where you are and come and stand with me, please? I want to pray with you this morning. If you say, Pastor Isaac, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to make a decision of faith. I'm ready to give my whole heart to Jesus. I don't want to miss this moment. If that's you, friend, today if you're hearing his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't delay. Say yes to him today. Would you come as a step of faith? Now I want to make this second invitation to the body of Christ. You say, Pastor Isaac, I want the blessing of God on my life. But there are some things that are trying to rob me right now. There are some things that are robbing me of my peace. They're robbing me of my joy. I want all that God has for me. And I want victory today. I want you to come out of your pew. Just come into this altar in faith. 
Don't let anything rob you this morning. Come on, don't let anything rob you. It's yours. It's yours. Does God have only one blessing? Can God only do one thing? No, He is able. He is able to meet your need. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's fill this altar with faith. Lord, we know that you have more than one blessing. You saved us. You can also sanctify us. You healed us. You can also prosper us. You brought us out. You can also bring us up. You are not limited by our circumstances. Come on, stir up your faith. Stir up your faith this morning.